plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Locked on Giants. I'm your host, Art Stapleton of The Record. You can read all of my coverage of the New York Giants on NorthJersey.com and in the print editions of The Record and across the USA Today Network. It is Friday, June 9th, and I am coming to you from East Rutherford, Quest Diagnostics Training Center, the home of the New York Giants, 1925 Giants Drive to be exact, in the shadow of MetLife Stadium, and yes... Finally, OTAs are over. The voluntary portion of our program has completed its run. And the next time we step inside the building here, players, coaches, it's all mandatory. So all the questions about why and what and what are they thinking... For Odell Beckham Jr. and Olivier Vernon, uh, who have voluntarily trained on their own in Miami for Vernon and L.A. and in New Jersey for Beckham, all those questions can be put to bed when those two guys step inside the building. At least that's the expectation on Tuesday. And number 54 and number 13 will be out on the field and we can close this chapter and begin writing another one about the New York Giants and the 2017 season. So next week for three days, you'll have minicamp, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then it'll be time for the summer. And six weeks later, you know, when all of the timing and bonding that took place the last month and a half goes away when everyone goes their separate ways for six weeks, then the Giants will reconvene likely July 28th or 29th for training camp, and then that's when the real season begins. And the real bonding and team building and competing for spots will start here with Big Blue. But the final OTA takes place today, and it's really an opportunity for access to get here. You try to read things from practice, try to see things that you can pick up. Um, I like to keep the tweeting to a minimum during practice, especially in OTAs, uh, just because they're, you know, you... You're going out there and you don't know what guys are really working on. You don't know what the schemes are supposed to be. So I try to give more observations than play-by-play tweets. Um, You know, that can become very tedious for people at home on Twitter trying to refresh their feed and see what's going on today. Uh, So try to make some observations. So today... We'll go practice observations first, and I'll mix in some of the post-game, the post-practice interviews afterwards. Um, first off, 
to me, the thing that I would come away with, number one for the Giants today, is Darian Thompson. Uh, free safety, or at least in name, he's a free safety. Or in game, he's a free safety. Uh, he was out there working with the first team. So was Andrew Adams to an extent. Uh, but Darian Thompson, when he was out there with Landon Collins, both full speed and in walkthrough, uh, he really looked like he's taken another step forward uh, in his recovery from that Liz Frank injury uh, that ended his rookie season last year uh, and limited him to, uh, I believe it was th- uh, two games. He, two and a half, he was injured in the Washington game. Uh, and then it was never really able to get back on the field. Uh, tried it, couldn't get past the foot, and ended up having to get back uh, and finally get surgery uh, to help his foot. Um, he, re- you know, the assistant coaches this week talked about how Thompson's shown that burst. I told you last Friday night in the charity softball game, the Landon Collins charity softball game, that Thompson looked pretty good going around the bases. Uh, and then a week later, he was out there on the field. Showed good burst. That's really the the main thing. I think it's the acceleration, the starting and stopping with the foot injury uh, is what you have to watch and see if it takes a toll on him. But if I was just judging based on today, now look, they're not in full pads, so you, you can't really say for sure where he is. But um, Thompson looked good. I mean, it was a positive step. I come out of OTAs thinking that Thompson is a lot closer to being uh, in this lineup in the preseason uh, than maybe you would have thought, uh, especially with the Giants saying they were going to take it cautiously. So good news for DT, and he really does add a different dimension. Uh, Landon Collins, Andrew Adams, and Nat Burhey, uh, in my mind, the other three safeties in this group. Uh, None of them have the skill set that Darian Thompson has in terms of being a ball hawk, uh, being able to to be in coverage. Uh, You know, the other guys are kind of hitters, especially Collins and especially Berhe. Uh, Andrew Adams, I mean, what he did as a rookie was tremendous. Uh, I think he showed he has a place on this team. You know, it's kind of funny you think of Andrew Adams and you remember back to week three last year, uh, when so many people in the media and in the fan base, especially on social media, wanted Andrew Adams cut immediately that Monday after the game because of the penalty that he had, the personal foul that wiped away Romeo Aquara's block punt in the Redskins game. And he had yet to really step in and take a starting role uh, because that was the game that Darian Thompson was injured. Um, actually, no, I correct myself. Darian Thompson, I believe, was injured the week before against New Orleans. Nat Burhe was injured against Washington with the concussion. So they lost both of those safeties. And then Andrew Adams, the following week in Minnesota, uh, got his first career start. Uh, and, and that's kind of where they went from there. Uh, so, look... I I think Darian Thompson just has the potential of really being a, a a player on this defense. And when you put him into the secondary with Jack Rabbit, DRC, Eli Apple, Landon Collins, 
it's you're adding another piece to a very good puzzle uh possibly the best puzzle in the league when it's all said and done so uh that secondary the nypd new york pass defense uh they really they have a lot of expectations to live up to this year and i think the addition of thompson a healthy thompson would really help them take their game to another level so that was uh that was one thing uh number two and we got into this after practice uh evan ingram uh very impressive on the field uh you could see him in certain matchups that the giants are just drooling over you know he has a skill set at tight end that none of the other guys has on this roster uh you can just see the the way he moves he's fluid he's smooth uh you know the mismatch that he creates with his speed at the point of attack uh really can be an asset for this offense and there was a there was a red zone play where Ingram was detached on the left side uh not quite in line was really more of a uh more of a wing spot next to Eric Flowers and then split wide left was Brandon Marshall and Ingram came streaking across the middle of the field uh, and just took a quick pass from Eli Manning uh, and he was in the end zone Uh, it was really I mean it just shows you that when Odell Beckham Jr. is on the field and it's Beckham, Ingram Marshall and Shepard with whatever back the Giants have in the game Uh, again I know it's it's kind of funny the last couple years we keep talking about the potential of this offense the potential of this offense so there certainly is a hesitancy when you look at what they haven't been able to accomplish the last couple years with all those expectations you know it started two years ago uh, when Cruz was on the field, it was it was going to be Beckham, Cruz, and Randall. Then it was going to be Beckham, Cruz, and Shepard. And now it's Beckham, Marshall, Shepard. But now you have the addition of an Evan Ingram. And again, it's only the beginning of his career. You're only in OTAs and now moving into minicamp. So there are a lot of more, a lot more hurdles for him to clear, uh, but Evan Ingram so far uh, is everything and then some of what the Giants uh, thought they were getting in Ingram, and he's an impressive kid. I mean, you talk to him after practice today at the podium; he just kind of takes everything in stride. Um, just you know, we'll, we'll we'll see this offense when we get there, and you know, I'm excited to to contribute. You know, he's got that it factor, Ingram does. He really does. He has that I belong here kind of feel. And Odell Beckham Jr. had that as a rookie a little bit. A little bit. But remember, Odell's rookie year, you know, he was drilled that summer. He was criticized by Tom Coughlin about the hamstring and not being on the field and not being able to practice. Uh, So people kind of forget. I mean, I know we remember, but you kind of gloss over the fact of how Odell's rookie year began. Uh, And 
there was no positivity for Beckham going into the summer. He got hurt on the first day when his cleat got caught in Dominique Rogers Cromartie's shoelace. You know, so I think it's interesting. Here we are again talking about the weapons that the Giants offense has. I think they have the right weapons now. You know, I think in hindsight, Victor Cruz and Sterling Shepard really had uh, duplication in terms of what they could do for for the offense. I really thought they would be more versatile last year, and they weren't in terms of moving guys around. They really didn't move Shepard to the outside much. I don't know if that's just... Uh, a stubbornness or if that was well we think he's our best option in slot so that's where we're going to go I think in hindsight the Giants should have played Victor Victor Cruz inside more but I don't think they liked the matchups of Sterling Shepard on the outside I think they thought that you know Cruz could do a better job there than Shepard could especially as a rookie you know but the bottom line is you take a guy like Brandon Marshall now if he's healthy and he looks healthy, looks the part. It's a completely different dynamic for that offense because you don't have a guy like that. You didn't have a guy like that last year, and Marshall is a far, far better player than Ruben Randall is. Ruben Randall, they would have thought, you would have loved to see Ruben Randall take a step forward. But Ruben Randall was never in position to accomplish the kind of things that Brandon Marshall has in his career. So, like I said, it's uh, it's fun to think about. You know, the Giants have dreamed the last couple of years about this high-octane, explosive offense. And for various reasons, it has not been realized. Those expectations have not been realized. Will this be the year that they put all this all this together? Well, it remains to be seen. You know, think about it. Sometimes it's not necessarily about what weapons you have, but where you have those weapons. You know, I posted a video, and I'm going to do a post on this on NorthJersey.com at some point. I'm just trying to figure out uh, when to do it. Uh, a friend of mine, also a colleague within uh, the USA Today Network, uh, Aaron Nagler for Packers News, put up a video from the playoff game last year, Packers-Giants, and essentially said, you know, here was third down and Odell Beckham Jr. got the Randy Moss treatment from the Packers. And if you watch the video, you have two defenders on Odell Beckham Jr. the entire time at the line of scrimmage. Usually play teams will go, you know, high safety over the top on Odell. In this instance, in the in the red zone, they actually had two guys on the line of scrimmage to cover Odell. And, you know, you see that kind of thing in high school. And then they had Will Ty 
in line at tight end. He was singled up. And he couldn't get separation. Now, maybe there was a little legal contact by the defender on Ty. Uh, but in that situation, that's going to be Evan Ingram. And I don't think there's there are many players who can stick with Evan Ingram's speed off the line of scrimmage. You know, you can debate all you want about Evan Ingram and his blocking skills and whether or not he will develop into a quote-unquote complete tight end. But when it comes to his speed, no one disputes that speed. So it's just something to think about. It brings a different dynamic. Uh, the Giants did a lot of two tight end today uh, in OTA practice. You know, will that matter? I don't know. You know, here's here's one thing that struck me this week. You know, with all our back and forth about how important are the OTAs and and everything. Just keep this in mind about the entire offseason last year. Jasper Brinkley was the starting middle linebacker for the entire offseason. And then the last week of the preseason and final cuts come and boom, Jasper Brinkley is released. And Kelvin Shepard all of a sudden becomes the Mike in base defense and... The backers in nickel are Casillas and Keenan Robinson. So as much as we think what we're seeing, most of the time we're right. But there are situations where, you know, the coaching staff has a plan. And they want to give guys opportunities. But at the end of the day, they need to hedge their bets and say, you know what? Where are we in terms of this guy versus this guy and how often is that person going to be used and last year they looked at Brinkley and said you know what he'd be a good he'd be a good Mike linebacker but how often are we going to run base defense and if we run base defense can Kelvin Shepard do the job and still be a better special teams player than Jasper Brinkley would you know and that's kind of the decision that went down last year we were all surprised that Brinkley wasn't on the team. I wasn't surprised that he wasn't the starting middle linebacker, but I was surprised that he wasn't on the team, especially after starting for the entire offseason, or essentially for the entire offseason. You know, Calvin Shepard got reps with the ones, but for the most part, it was believed that Brinkley was the starting middle linebacker. So you come into this year and you start trying to decide who's going to be where there are a lot of things up for grabs you know this is when you experiment this is when you see can this guy do that can this guy do this you know today defensive tackle from uh, Notre Dame and I have to be honest I didn't even I didn't even catch it in practice watching because a lot of times those guys are working third team, fourth team. They might be on an opposite field. Uh, Jaron Jones, defensive tackle, he worked with the offense today at offensive line. So you, you kind of keep an eye on that and you say, all right, well, what are they trying to do here? Where are they, where are they fitting these guys? Can that be a guy? Can Jaron Jones be a guy who 
ends up as a good special teams guy. Uh, Not special teams. Obviously, special teams matters. But a good practice squad guy. You know, you try him out. You try seeing what he can do if he has to play an offensive lineman role in practice. You know, at the Super Bowl this past year down in Houston... I talked to Matt Sims, who's on the practice squad, quarterback, obviously son of Phil Sims, Chris Sims' Sims's brother. Uh, he's a quarterback. He's their third quarterback, the Falcons, last year. But during Super Bowl week, he's playing the role of Devin McCourty. He's playing the role of, you know, trying to be Malcolm Butler and cover... Julio Jones because that's the role of a practice squad guy so you know could they be looking at Jaron Jones already saying you know what if he can be pretty good at offensive line well then if he's on the practice squad he can serve two roles he can be a defensive tackle but he could also be an offensive lineman on squat on scout squad and that that helps guys stay in the building you know when GJ Kinney was here he was a quarterback on the roster but he played safety on the practice squad and that's how he was able to stay in the building so that kind of thing goes on goes on often that's the reason why Mark Herzlick has switched to 44 as his number. Mark Herzlick played tight end on the scout team. And he actually started doing a pretty good job in practice that it got to a point where in an emergency situation, the Giants looked over and said, you know what, maybe if we, you know, we switch his number in a game, maybe we have to use him as an emergency. So let's train him at that point. Let's train him. Let's get him ready. Let's see if he can be that guy if our one, two, and three tight ends somehow are not available in a given day, in a given game. So that's kind of where uh, where that stuff comes from in OTAs. You know, another thing uh, about, you know, OTAs and what you, you know, what you're gaining and what where it comes, you know, where the the good stuff comes from. I mean, there's a lot of camaraderie that goes on, but are you telling you you're telling me? Now, let let's put all the noise aside and all the feelings of what you think Odell Beckham Jr. and Olivier Vernon should be doing. You're telling me on Tuesday that if the defensive line group is going out for dinner and Olivier Vernon says, "Hey guys, can I come?" That JPP and Snacks are going to look at him and go, Hey, OV, man, you haven't been here the last five weeks. Now you want to come out to dinner? Come on. We really think that? Same goes for Beckham. You know, the, the most concerning absence in OTAs, and again, I don't want to make too much of it, is Owe Adigizua. The fact that he's not here... When he is in strict competition for his spot, you know, Beckham and Vernon are not facing a challenge as far as their spots go. I mean, you can make the argument that 
they're as valuable as any player on that side of the ball. Vernon on defense and Beckham on offense. But for Odigizua, no one seems to have an answer as to where he is. And there are guys brought in here to compete with him. Avery Moss, fifth round pick. Kerry Wynn is here. Romeo Aquara is here. Devin Taylor was signed from the Lions. You know, you've got defensive ends competing for spots. And Odigizua is not here. Does that mean he's off the team? No. But that's certainly a heck of a lot larger question mark going forward than either Beckham or Vernon. So that was, uh, it was not so much an eventful last OTA. Uh, A couple other things, you know, Geno Smith looked pretty good today from what we saw. There were portions of team drills that were blocked by the team that we couldn't see. Whether that's intentional or not, who knows. But from our vantage point, it was hard, very hard to see. Uh, but it did look like Geno Smith was taking more of the reps with the twos than Josh Johnson was. Uh, both were out there with the twos. Even with the number one, what today would be the number one offensive line, they were out there. Uh, so Giants kind of splitting it up and spreading it out a little bit. Uh Saw Travis Rudolph actually drop a punt for the first time. Stayed on the field, fielded the next one. And I also wondered, Sterling Shepard has been uh, returning has been returning punts. You know, it's really a controlled setting, but uh, I wonder if Shepard gets a little bit more run, maybe as a punt returner next year. I don't know necessarily what he can do if he's explosive enough as a punt returner uh, but certainly it seems like to be more of a, an option at this point uh, if Rudolph doesn't make the team uh, and if Dwayne Harris continues to struggle and if they're not ready to put Odell back there full time uh, Davis Webb had a couple really nice throws today probably the best I've seen in the three OTAs that have been open to the media and better than any throw he had at rookie minicamp uh, really really nice throws looked like almost a corner route uh, to Kevin Sneed uh, who's obviously here as fastest man in college football last year um, looked like he ran a great route nice catch and then pulled up lame unfortunately at the end of the route looked like it was his left hamstring uh, so not sure of the severity of that, but you know, end of OTAs probably not going to see much of him in the mini camp next week. So we'll see if he's shown enough that the Giants want to keep him, uh, keep him around until training camp and get that hamstring healed and get him back out there or not. So that's pretty much where we're at right now. So OTAs are over. Like I said, the voluntary portion is complete and now it's on to a three-day mini camp reminder monday we will be in mount kisco for the guiding eyes for the blind golf classic and the 
spokesperson is none other than Eli Manning. So expect Eli to talk to the media for the first time since the beginning of the offseason program, which is when he essentially spent most of his time defending himself and talking about the controversy stemming from the memorabilia scheme, quote-unquote, that he denied and at this point has yet to be proven. So we'll be there trying to talk to Eli. I'm sure he'll have some things to say about the start of minicamp, about the draft, and, of course, about Odell Beckham Jr. and what he expects when number 13 walks through the door of the facility on Tuesday and rejoins the team uh, as we all expect him to. So thanks for listening to Locked on Giants. Always appreciated. Stay in touch with me on Twitter at Art underscore Stapleton. Email information in the Twitter bio. And have a great weekend, everybody. Talk to you again Monday when the 90s return to the Giants and North Jersey. And that means temperatures, not teams. Have a great weekend. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.